Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roll Up. This is episode 28. Uh, we are here tonight, and we're going to be talking future shock. First, of course, we're going to get to our opening bell. But before we do that, I just want to start things off by saying, welcome back, Mike. Howdy. How are you? Good, 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 good to be back. Oh, I'm doing well. Busy. Been writing something yeah. recently. Little, it's kind of kept something. me a little occupied. Um, but, you know, I'm good. I'm, and I'm glad to be here with you, Sam. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm I'm super glad you're here. Uh, we've missed you. It's it's good to have you back. Uh, and of course, the we I speak of, of course, is our other co-host, Mr. Todd Jerschel. Todd, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, good to be back here, and uh, you know, glad to have Mike back with us. Yeah, you just did a little off-air unboxing, didn't you? Why don't you Why don't you tell the listeners what you opened up? Yeah, so yeah, we had a little time here waiting for Mike, so I decided to you know, put the, um, unbox an AEW figure uh, and uh, let, let Sam choose which one to unbox, and we unboxed the Unmatched Series 1 Darby Allen, uh, which is a pretty neat figure, and I uh, immediately gave the TNT title to the uh, Sammy Guevara figure I have. So yeah. yeah. I almost chose the former champ, Miro, because I thought, you know, Miro, but but I went with Darby just because I was like, ah, the extra accessories. And like you said, yeah, the belt. Yeah. I wanted to get the, the belt in there too. Yeah. Yeah. And that skateboard, that skateboard is awesome. It's really cool. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, you know I'm a little behind. It's really cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little behind on my AEW, and you guys just spoiled it for me. <laughs> i'm sorry sorry snooze you lose <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert I, I did not hear a spoiler alert i would have pulled out my earpiece you know jeez it's almost uh, a week mike you know i'm sorry a spoiler you know only lasts for like three days i, I can give you that okay fair enough fair <laughs> enough it's still worth it's still worth a watch um Todd, I was doing online. That was the problem. No, this is very much. <laughs> he couldn't. Well, he was busy working. Oh man. Well, uh, it, it's it's exciting. All three of us are here. We're going to talk obviously some of the new releases. Uh, let's go ahead and head over to the opening bell. Um, I mean, first of all, like I said, the sets are out there in the wild. People are receiving them uh, online. Is up and running. So if you've not yet gotten your set, if you didn't pre-order, um, you know, now's the time. What are you waiting for? For. You can get your physical cards, of course. Todd will get those in the mail to you. I'm assuming at some point in the near future, uh, uh, after after his his Herculean efforts to to get out all the pre-orders. I believe mm-hmm. he was up until about four o'clock in the morning. Is that right? Yeah, a little past four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I got everything out uh, in less than 24 hours after receiving it. So uh, I wanted to make sure we got it out there. Get you know, people who paid for Express at least get it. You know, on Saturday, possibly. So, yeah, we made it happen. Give this man a medal. I swear, we're Todd and I are on, like, the 24-hour cycle because I got up, like, on Saturday morning at about, you know, I don't know, 4 in the morning. So, that, that, mm-hmm. like, that we're just, like, here at Federation Headquarters, we are, like, 24 <laughs> hours a day, seven days a week. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, uh, you know, speaking of, of, of getting packages, uh, we should note, of course, that everyone, you know, from time to time will experience some sort of delay, some sort of snafu, uh, with the postal system. Uh, we don't, we don't talk about FedEx a whole lot, but we're gonna talk about FedEx right now. Mike was kind enough to mail my future shock set to me. And, uh, arguably I should have had it last Friday. Uh, you know, at least Saturday. Um, it's Tuesday night as we sit here and my package is currently in Tuckdale, Oregon. True story, people. 
True, true story. That package started in Pennsylvania. It went to Indiana. It went to Iowa, bypassing Illinois completely. Then it went on to Idaho, Wyoming, uh, and, and now it's in Oregon. I, I said to Todd earlier, it landed in the Pacific Northwest because it just, you know, you know it, it needed to stay on theme, I guess, uh, for the Legends release. I agree with that. My only concern with all this that really has me, you know, whenever any company, you know, they all, everybody makes a mistake, right? You can't help it. Todd, you know, like Todd does like 200 orders and a couple of them are missing something where they get messed up by um, the, uh, you know, the postman or whatever happens. But, but normally you try and make good when things go bad and for whatever reason, I don't know why they don't just put it on a plane now and fly it to you. But instead, right. no, it's, it's it was shipped ground, so therefore it has to go ground back. Like, that's the part that I don't understand, Sam. Yeah. Maybe someone can explain that to me at some point. But I would think that there's got to be some plane going from Oregon somewhere in the Midwest. Let's right. just throw it on there and get it somewhere near Chicago. Yeah, I I mean, at this point, I'm just I'm shocked between O'Hare and Midway. There's got to be some opportunity for them to get a plane into Chicago. And, you know, but hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, mean, it is a small airport, Sam. You're right. You're right. Uh, (laughs) Small, the small, small uh, uh, town that I live in here. Um, Yeah, Uh, I I will say those those are your promoters that, you know, are upset at the Postal Service and they are asking if we have other options. This is another option. You know, it could go anywhere with, you know, with these other companies, you know, it's not just the the Postal Service having problems. And and I do some business with FedEx in my Clark Kent job. And, and, you know, I do business with UPS and there's always problems with every any carrier you choose. There's always something that goes wrong. But. But even our own, uh, you know, roll-up uh, mate is not immune from these troubles. It's true. It's very, very true. It might, you know, I had such an incredible streak of luck, I think. I know there have been a couple of times, like, Todd has sent me something, like, you know, priority, and it has literally arrived the next day. So I've gotten lucky so many times at this point that it was bound to happen sooner or later. Um, but it's okay, because online exists. So I have been able to, you know, pour over the handbook in, in electronic format and I've got my cards in online so I can start running matches here very soon. I've not, I've not yet uh, had a card for 2117. That's mostly because I'm not finished with 2116 yet. Uh, I have a few cards left to roll out, but I like it this way because it gives me a chance to, you know, kind of plan ahead, Um, which we'll talk more about later. But uh, of course, in addition to future shock being out there and, and, you know, I think if the boards are any indication, very well received, we also have the legends four pack, um, which uh, I know people were excited about to begin with, with Doug Summers and Buddy Rose, uh, the grappler and uh, my personal favorite Dutch, Dutch Savage. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited obviously to have Summers and Rose. Um, We've already talked about, all of that talent, but I'm, I'm glad that people are now able to have them in their hands. Um, and then of course the Indies deathmatch set, which, which is just awesome. I, I think it, it's just such a fantastic set, unique set. And, and of course those deathmatch charts that uh, Zeke put together um, are great. I, I, uh, I might tweak mine ever so slightly just because the uh, I, I like the option to be able to still use the ropes and the turnbuckle charts. So I might do like an even odd sort of thing 
on mine as opposed to just automatically going to the deathmatch chart. Um, but I just I love I love the, the setup. I love the action on the charts, uh, and and I just think that the cards themselves came out so great. And uh, and I love what Zeke was saying on the boards earlier about how uh, you know he, he, the object for him was always to stat these cards in such a way that you didn't have to have them be exclusively deathmatch wrestlers. You know, because most of these guys wrestle non deathmatches. You know, it's not like they're always in deathmatches. You know, night in and night out. That would take too much of a toll. So most of these cards can you know can easily slip into just you know regular matches and, and don't have to be used exclusively for you know hardcore feds or deathmatch feds um i i, I challenge anybody uh, to to uh use the madman pondo card in a regular match and have him win by pin i think that's gonna be very difficult <laughs> i was not talking about the prime cards yet <laughs> <laughs> oh that's true that's but this true. is a perfect segue because it does bring us into prime uh which is awesome uh the prime cards are out there the yeah and the deathmatch cards like you said yeah i mean yeah madman pondo probably not going to be uh uh featured in in a lot of technical masterpieces but, but he could lose by dq there's a chance of that slim chance yeah yeah just a little bit <laughs> Uh, and then of course the Ricky Shane page card, which is great. And, uh, and then the justice pain card, um, which is awesome. You know, a wrestler who's no longer with us and always wonderful to be able to kind of pay tribute. Um, and, and I think anyone who's familiar with CZW, uh, or even XPW, uh, you, you know, you have to know who justice pain is because he was such a, a, uh, um, words escape me right now. I've gone completely inarticulate uh important member of the roster early on uh in in the early days of czw before he jumped ship to xpw and then of course came back to czw uh where he was the first triple crown champion actually in czw so um and then uh of course we've also got our legends prime cards which were unknown to the community at large surprise when people open up the package and found johnny rods the trooper and big bully music. Uh, Mike, let's talk a little bit about these cards real quick. We wanted to do that just because obviously we hadn't had a chance to, to talk about them prior to uh, their release. Um, and of course these were decided by vote. So uh, I know Todd's got a little bit more on the results of the votes and the other names and stuff. So we'll yeah. get to that in a second, but first up your thoughts on these three names, Mike. Well, I thought it was a really nice way to, to sort of get some of these guys in because it was like some of these cards, it was like, where, when were we going to you know, get around to fitting them in somewhere? And, and I thought it was kind of, you know, we were like, well, do we want to do this guy or that guy? And, and, and to have a vote, I think, was the coolest thing. I think of the three guys we got, um, you know, I, I think that to me, I'll probably get the most use out of Johnny Rods um, just because you know, I... I remember him uh, and he, and he could play a great role in your fed, but I, 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 I think that the other two are going to be a lot of fun to use too. I mean, they're, they're, they're characters and, right. and you can, yeah. and in your fed, anytime you've got somebody with personality, um, I, I always find that having more options with personality is always a good thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I mean, on all counts, I think rods will probably get the most use from me uh, at least at first. Um, you know, it's been expressed on the boards already and I've got to fall in line with a lot of the people say they probably really won't get much use out of the trooper. I'm glad to have the card. I think the artwork is great. I, you know, I love Del Wilkes, but for me, you know, I, I'm just going to go straight to the Patriot gimmick. You know what I mean? I I, th I think some people are fudging that though, because they're like, I think there's a little bit of group think going on because it was a blind vote. 
and he won. So it can't be everybody isn't going to use him, and but they voted for him anyway. And no, I like, convincing too. It wasn't. It wasn't like a, you know a narrow victory either. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 I'm going to be completely honest. No, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand it at all. And if anyone who voted for him, if the throngs of people who apparently voted for him want to try to explain to me why he won over the other names, please do because I don't understand honestly. Especially I mean, when you've got like adorable Adrian Adonis mm-hmm. and you know the 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 modern day. Cone and gimmick the you know the 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 buff bagwell gimmick i you know i i wouldn't probably want bagwell and conan i'd be okay with but i just feel like adonis was the shoe in for a lot of reasons um but yeah i mean i think we had just recently lost del wilkes too and i'm wondering how much of a factor that played into it yeah it's true good point it's a good point a week or two before that so i I think that might have been somewhat of a contributing factor yeah yeah I, I do have some of the results here if we want to go through, yeah. you know, just so people kind of know like how it all ended up here. Do you, um, yeah, we better Chad do that. To, but we we got to do that quickly before Chad decides to put that on, on uh, you know, uncharted territory. I know. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might be scooping it right now as we're talking. But, well, uh, we'll have to make sure we put it out first. All right. <laughs> I'll uh, drop this right, thing so, an hour so, after we close. So the uh, just all right, so the one we were talking about the alter ego vote. So uh, the trooper did get forty four percent of the vote. Wow! Um, and yes, yeah, so a pretty convincing there. Uh, second place is or- adorable Adrian Adonis with twenty five percent of the vote. Uh, Conan with nineteen and Buff Bagwell with eleven. So yeah. you know it's funny because it, like. I, as I said, all of what I said earlier before, now all of a sudden I'm almost envisioning like a challenge to myself to use the trooper. Like I'm going to use the trooper now. Like I have to do it. I have to do it because I said I wasn't going to, and I'm going right. to try to use him well. well I heard somebody <laughs> uh, mentioning doing a tag team with him and Ranger Ross or something like that. Yeah, I saw that too. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah, something like that. Not bad. There's some options. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The next uh, card here we had, we talked about... Uh, uh johnny rods uh that one was the closest vote of them all uh johnny rods got 34 percent of the vote and then with 32 and a half percent of the vote it was cousin luke in second place Ew. followed by uh, larry sharp at 17 percent and johnny stewart at 16 percent so cousin luke almost got there again i know there's a couple couple of cousin luke votes that have been close here you know someday he'll get in there i'm sure and larry sharps i mean i you know i'm actually surprised he didn't do a little bit better i think it must have been people just broke for johnny rods you know, yeah kind of i think so in that role yeah yeah they, they, they uh, but uh, uh, that was unfortunate for cousin luke if, if he had been able to split that vote you know who knows what happens then right exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh man, I, yeah, I'm excited we, to have the the color card for Johnny Rods. I oh, you yeah. know I, I, I was I, I was kind of somewhat aware of him. I, I think just because I was a big WWF fan, you know, when I was a kid. Um, but I honestly became more aware of him because Tommy Dreamer would name drop him as his trainer uh, in ECW in the early days of ECW. And then I remember when I got like. I think it was probably a Bob Backlund tape, and there it wasn't just Backlund matches. There were other like you know, WWWF matches or WWF matches on there. And so a lot of those opening matches were like Johnny Rod's matches. And so I, you know, I'd seen him a little bit more in kind of the late nineties, early two thousands. And then of course with the network, I, you know, I could watch matches of his, um, not that they were like all clinics or whatever, but I, I just thought he was a good name added texture to, to feds, you know? 
Definitely. Definitely. And we got to get the uh, classic uh, Bumblebee shorts on there too. I know that was one thing Tim said he definitely wanted on there. So yeah, the artwork artwork is great. Yeah. I I thought that, and I think the trooper, uh, the whole prime, uh, all three of them were, I thought really an outstanding job by Warner. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And even the, uh, the third card. So we'll say a big Billy music was the, the third card. That one was a mashup there. Uh, because, uh, you know, we had the one reference that was kind of like more of the body shot there. And then there was like a face shot that had him with the cigar and we're like, ah, we got to get the cigar in there. So, uh, yeah, Warner was able, we actually matched up pretty well. So Warner was able to get that, that view in there pretty good. Uh, but big Billy Vusick on the new wrestler card ran away with the vote. Uh, 46% of the vote there. Second place was less than half, only 20% of the vote, or 20.5% of the vote for the equalizer came in second. Uh, Sunny Beach in third with 15% of the vote. Uh, Frogman LeBlanc, who I voted for, uh, at the 14%. And uh, last place with uh, only 4% of the vote was Alan Funk. So, oh. sorry, Alan. I think now that I now that I'm thinking about it, I, I think I actually voted for uh, the equalizer. Equalizer, okay. yeah. But I'm happy with Big Bully Music. I think it's a great card. Oh, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's a great look, and uh, he's got an interesting kind of you know backstory because he's he's one of those people that had this sort of like big gimmick before he went to WWF with it. And a lot of times, you know, it was the opposite. You'd have a guy who didn't really have a gimmick and then they'd come into WWF and get saddled with some sort of cartoon gimmick or whatever. And music already had that gimmick before he got to WWF, which I think is kind of, you know, just interesting. And and he was an interesting guy. He was, he was a police officer down in Atlanta. And I know he passed away just a few years ago. Um, so cool to have him, uh, you know, in, in the cards. Definitely. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, we have our, our COTG Prime cards for 2021. But before we get to those, because, uh, you know, obviously we want to talk a bit about them. Um, they were revealed earlier, so we've already mentioned a little bit of them on the podcast. Um, I want to talk about a couple other things here in the opening bell. And, and then we'll talk more about the, the Prime cards when we get to Future Shock and how they kind of fit in with, with the new set. Um and so, you know, this isn't going to be a smooth segue by any means, but uh, I actually wanted to talk just briefly. Uh, we, we've kind of sort of hinted at doing like a collector's corner and talking a little bit about the collectability aspect of the game uh, and the hobby. Um, but I wanted to kind of just do this because it was something that I had a conversation with a fellow promoter about recently um, that right now, and and, I, and it's evident by the auctions, you know, the past few Galacticons in particular. Uh, I feel like the hobby and, and the collector's aspect of the hobby is probably hotter than it's ever been. To the point that you have promoters, you know, going on the boards or on the Facebook page and, you know, putting out like in seek of posts and, you know, and, and looking for sets and looking for cards and paying, you know, a good amount of money for them uh you know the early classic set in particular i know you know people are paying a couple hundred dollars for more so um i just think it's worth noting uh a, you know to kind of keep our, our finger on the pulse of that uh, going forward and um and, and reinforce the the fact that the opportunities that co- you know collectors and promoters have to get exclusive cards i think is only going to grow um 
in, you're here in the near future. And, and that's evident in the fact that with the cons, there's con exclusive cards that people can get, um, you know, and hey, that's an opportunity to plug the upcoming con because you're going to get an exclusive card with that, even if you can't attend the con. So make sure you get your ticket for that. Um, but I just think it's pretty cool. And I think it's just a reminder that this this incredible, you know, game that's been around for 35 years plus is is uh is making its mark in in kind of the the aftermarket now with people you know looking for hard to find sets and cards uh in order to complete their sets uh you know people that have kind of come late to the game and, and it's never it's never too late to to track down that piece um you know sometimes it just takes a little patience persistence and luck and a little coin but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little cashish doesn't hurt yeah <laughs> yeah but I, and I think one of the reasons why I had to bring it up is I know that all three of us, you know, in our own ways are certainly collectors as well. You know, Todd, I know there are pieces out there that you are even looking for. And, you know, Mike, I'm sure there's stuff that you want to have that you might not necessarily have, which says a lot, you know, because we're talking about people that work for the company and do, you know, do work for the company. And, 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 and there's still elusive pieces, you know, for, for you guys. It's not like you have access yeah. to every little thing that's ever come down the pipeline. Yeah, Tom told me about something that he uncovered recently that I had never even heard of. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I like yeah, the, it'll be in the auction next year. I know that much. So yeah, maybe it's going to be interesting. Maybe, maybe. maybe. <laughs> it makes it that far. We'll see. Unless we'll Mike see. gets to it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there may be an issue with production that needs a collectible to, you know, sort of grease the skids a little. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, no, but you know, I, I thought it was really cool to see, um, you know, that there are folks out there that are, you know, tracking down these pieces and, um, and it just speaks, I think, to the importance, uh, of the game, the longevity of the game. And anytime you have something that's been around this long and, you know, appealing to new, you know, new collectors and, you know, in some instances you have people that, you know, have been playing the game for years and years and years and years before a reason, maybe something got lost in a, in a move or, you know, et cetera. And, you know, wanting to kind of track stuff back down and what not so um and i totally get it you know there's there's stuff that that i don't have that i would certainly like to have and that johnny rocket card that i recently got that pete beck helped me out with is you know is something that i'm i'm so excited to have you know in, in the collection now so um i just think it's cool and i look forward to the opportunity when we kind of sit down and have a, a little bit more of an organized discussion and really kind of officially have a collector's corner segment because i think that there's some really cool things to spotlight um you know obviously like the first you know 500 game editions for instance or yeah. you know uh, uh promoter prime cards you, you know promoter you know cards before there was a promoter prime you know that sort of stuff that uh and, and con exclusives and so on so um so i just wanted to kind of throw that throw that out there uh in, in this in this uh week's episode since it was it seemed topical oh yeah definitely definitely yeah that that that, that uh first 500 printing that's elusive yeah I, I, a couple months ago i thought i maybe had one but uh still didn't, didn't wasn't wasn't to be so that's that, that's one i don't have for sure yeah <laughs> But I'm I've got my eyes open. I'm looking out. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Tom told me he had like a I think it was a nephew or something that I guess he had given a game to early on and like he had found it in his attic. He's like, hey, you know, I found the old game here and gave it back to Tom. And he's not sure if it's one of the original 500 or not, but it very well could be an extra one there. So wow. I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, that, that, there might be one there. Who who knows? But yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. 
Well, to say. well, it certainly seems that another thing that has kind of been on the rise, uh, at least in my awareness, maybe people have been doing this, you know, for decades, is that there are folks out there now that are buying multiples of sets, you know, whereas I feel like that that was not something that was maybe happening 20 years ago, you know, no, yeah. um, and, and now you do have some people that might be getting like two uh, of a set when it comes out or whatnot. Um, and uh you know, because there's there's the potential that hey, maybe this is you know something that I'm going to want to have an extra of down the road or whatnot. Yeah. So, um, but like I said, we'll definitely talk more about that in the future, um, and and look forward to kind of bringing that as a sort of a recurring segment every now and again. Um, but before we hit up with our main event and talk future shock, Todd, I want to pivot over to you and see if there's anything else going on at Fed HQ right now. I know obviously with the releases out there and you know the big mailing out of the way that things are probably somewhat quiet, but yeah, entirely so. Little- yeah, yeah, Todd smoking I mean, a cigar and and putting his feet up and enjoying. That's what's not quite, happening. Yeah, now, yeah the, the rest of the week here is all focused on uh, you know Cub Scout leader activities. Now as I kind of wind off of that, but uh, yeah, we're coming up uh, fast and furious on the uh, on the con. So that'll that'll be the next big thing. I think uh, towards the uh, next couple of days here, probably around the, right around the time that you're hearing uh, this podcast, you'll probably you'll if you've uh, reserved a ticket for the um for the, the virtual convention you'll get an email from me with the sign-in details uh for the uh con but then also uh will be a um a um a, a poll thing or a just a, a survey thing just to uh, tell us what the tournament you want to be in. It's not going to be a full slate of tournaments like we did. Uh, we do for Galacticon or we did for the January con. That one's a much more bigger all encompassing con. This is going to be a much shorter one. So I think we'll try to get everybody who wants to be in there, at least into one tournament, whether it's the champions, indies or, um, or legends. I think the legends one we're going to do the biggest field for, um, but uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see what, try to get everybody who wants to be in for one. Obviously we only did one ticket there. We didn't do the separate, you know, tournament versus non-tournament tickets here. So it's just seeing anybody who wants to be in one and we'll have prizes for whoever wins uh, those three tournaments. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll send out a prize with your uh, con exclusive cards and stuff after that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I'm really looking forward to it. There's some exciting stuff that I think people are going to be, uh, uh, you know, excited for. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, certainly, uh, once all is made it, clear, <laughs> it should be interesting. I'm uh, doing a camp out the night before, and I'll be back a couple hours beforehand. So uh, we'll see what type of shape I'm in uh, on that day, uh, on that Sunday. It, it should it should be uh, proved to be an interesting day for everybody. I think so. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> I think uh, Tro- Troy and um, and uh, TK are taking the reins on uh, leading the uh, the online tournaments, and uh, Sam, you're going to be hosting the. Uh, festivities for the q a part uh, so just so you guys know uh i think we mentioned online we'll just we'll probably put up another article with the details again just uh one to uh 4 p.m eastern is going to be the tournament time and then from four to six is going to be the q a time we'll have our special guest on right at uh, from uh, four to four thirty and then the rest of the uh, phil singer games crew from four thirty to six uh the dark menace will be uh, looming during the tournament period so so uh, if you come in, uh, I think I think he said somewhere around, um, I think between 
two and two and three definitely he'll be he'll be uh, having he'll be on so, there so, sometime during the day for sure. So sometime during the tournament day. So sometime between like one thirty and three thirty, he'll be he'll be uh, hanging out and and chatting with uh, with game fans who are not participating in the tournaments. Uh, so yeah, definitely even if you're not participating in tournaments, come on by, chat with fellow promoters and the Dark Menace, and uh, it should be a good time. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I always enjoy being able to talk with everyone and, and get a chance to, you know, kind of have the MC duties and do some of the interviews. Um, and, and this is certainly no exception. I'm really, really excited about it. Looking forward to, to talking, uh, you know, with the Legends crew, with the, the Indies crew, and, and, and of course, you know, the opportunity to have the Dark Menace around is always a heck of a lot of fun. So, uh, and the special guest is going to be really cool. That's all I'll say about that. Yep. Um, all right. Well, make sure you have your tickets for the con. And uh, even if you can't attend, uh, you'll still be able to get that exclusive card. Uh, and I would imagine uh, that there's a very, 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 very good chance that we'll be recording some of the panels and interviews, uh, and they may make their way into a future uh, podcast episode, uh, especially as Todd and I plot out the the next couple of months uh, as, as the uh, impending birth of my son <laughs> fast approaches and, and my yep. time might not necessarily be quite as uh, available. Um, <clears throat> We're giving yeah. Sam one night off and then he's got to come back and work hard. That, that, that's, that's, right. that's it. Yeah, yeah, work harder than I've ever worked before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's the same. Sam and I did have a meeting. Uh, was it last night? I think it was. It was. Believe it or not, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blur. But uh, yeah, we we kind of plotted out everything for the rest of the year, kind of what we what we have planned, and uh, do we definitely have some good plans? Some of the things we'll probably announce uh, at the virtual convention, and uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll plan to join you every Tuesday. We're not planning to take any weeks off, but you know, we'll we'll see. That sometimes they might be off by a day or so just depending on you know when you know hospital visits are happening and stuff like that so. exactly uh but i well, you know i will say uh you know without spoiling anything that you know we'll certainly we'll be talking to some other promoters we'll be doing probably uh you know another round table and and i'm sure you know the tournament master will have a couple of things up his sleeve for us as well so um all right well should we proceed to our main event of the evening yeah, let's do it probably probably yeah. time Let's do it. Uh, I am very excited. This, you know, as, as folks know, anytime we get the chance to uh, talk with uh, you know, one of the writers uh, and creators, it's always a blast and, and such a pleasure for me. And one of the first times that we ever did that actually was talking with Mike uh, about the very first Future Shock set. Um, and, you know, we've had the opportunity to talk uh, early classics as well. Uh, and naturally the last Future Shock set, 2116. But the newest, the latest, the greatest uh, CWF, twenty. 117 future shock is here and um mike it's out people have it in their hands how do you feel right now uh, glad that it's not in my hands anymore <laughs> uh, no i mean it was a lot of fun to write i mean i really enjoyed this one um you know i like to sort of shake things up a little bit i know that in this set and i've talked about this with Todd offline and and I may have even said something to you, Sam, that a lot of the things that I wrote in the first booklet were sort of waiting for this booklet to kind of happen. You know, it was, sure. it was laying the groundwork for two years. Um, so I, you know, I was really glad, um, you know, the, the hardest part about this set really, I think in some ways was 
um, choosing what not to tease, um, you know, to kind of give, I wanted to give people a flavor for where things were going, but there were certain things I really wanted, you know, when people opened the envelope, so to speak, uh, whether that was virtual or, uh, you know, a, a physical envelope uh, that they got, you know, sort of a, oh my, I didn't see that. And I, and yeah. I think I, I think it was successful based on the reaction I've seen so far. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And we'll talk about a couple of those uh, specifically here in just a moment. Um, but, you know, you kind of mentioned a little bit uh, about the process and I'm always interested, you know, what what was the process for this like? I know, you know, without going into any detail that you've been pretty busy lately, that there's been a lot going on in, in your life. And and so, you know, the, the process in general, how, how was it for you um, writing this one? Well, it, it was interesting because I had written, um, as I said, I had a lot of you know thoughts planned out um, when I, when the first Future Shock came out for this set. I have little cards that have wrestlers' names on them, and I shuffle them around. And sometimes the guy stays in the stack, and sometimes he comes out of the stack. Um, <laughs> but but uh, and you know you know there were wrestlers who um, you know filled roles that similar roles or even similar races um, in the case of Calamity, um, you know, who um, fell out over the course of time, but then he came in. Um, I'd say, you know, it was, it was weird. You know, I sit down and I tend to write and it's, it it becomes blocked chunks come out uh, Mm -hmm. all at once. So um, when we delayed it from the spring, I actually put it away for a while. Um, And when we focused on the GWF and I didn't, um, really touched it for a couple months. Um, and then I came back and said, okay, now that I've sort of walked away from it, uh, let me come back to it. And, and I, you know, a lot of stuff came together very quickly. Um, you know, that's, that's what, uh, sort of, especially dialogue and things like that, they tend to come to me, um, in chunks. So when there's an interaction, I'm like, Oh, I know there needs to be this, you know, a conversation here. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll come back to that. And then all of a sudden it'll just be boom done in a, and for me, lots of times in one sitting, it'll just a whole section of the book that'll come out. Um, but, uh, so yeah, it was, it was sort of a, you know, I, like you said, I had a lot going on, but I was able to finally just sit down and, you know, bang it out as they say. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly glad that you did because I think that there's, there's a lot to love about this set and I can see exactly what you mean where, you know, we used to call it in, in play analysis class triggers and heaps. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of triggers that have been pulled and there's a lot of heaps laying around uh, in this particular uh, booklet. And and that's not to say that there aren't a lot of triggers set up to be pulled um, because there are certainly some that that we're left with uh, by the end uh, of the story uh, or this chapter rather. Um, You know, I I think that one of the first things and and certainly probably one of the, the big you know, payoffs, uh, that, that in a way almost feels like a future setup as well as a payoff is, is the entrance of the ravagers, um, and having Ventrus, you know, show up. Um, the question that I ended up kind of being left with after that scene really was about Rundar. Um, because all of what they're going off of kind of according to what Ventrus is saying is, is, you know, the data that they've gotten from Rundar. And I couldn't help but have the question, does does Rundar have his own agenda, you know, and, and, and is his agenda aligned with the Ravager's agenda? Is it basically is the information that he's giving them legit? You know, uh, could he have made a mistake? Could he, you know, and, and, and obviously 
you can no comment this if you want to, but I am curious as with their, you know, with their appearance and, and with their targeting of Pagan Axe, you know, how much of that is on the level specifically when it comes to Rundar kind of doing the scouting mission the year previous? Well, I think it's a good question. Uh, I will say it's one I pondered as I wrote it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think it's stay tuned, right? I mean, because, yeah. you know, I, I think that um, it's it's clear that the Ravagers, you know, believe that Pagan Axe is the problem. I mean, they're, right. they're not just sort of, they don't have an agenda here that's saying, well, we're against Pagan Axe. It's just he's he's the issue according to the data we have. Now, is that data good? That's a great question. Um, you know, and obviously that's something that, you know, we'll explore. Is, is he the cause? Is he a symptom? Is it, is he have, does he have nothing to do with it? I, that's, I think, a, um, it's an excellent question. I didn't expect that to be your first one out of the shoot, but it's a good one. Um, well, I, you know, that, that makes me want to, of course, pivot over to Ventross. I feel like we, you know, we get a very, um, you know, kind of almost reserved, uh, methodical uh, character here, someone who uh, wants to have, you know, that data. And it's clear that the purpose behind having Rundar there last year to kind of scout things out was because he wanted all the information he could possibly have before he made uh, any sort of decision. And and I really like that about the character. Um, you know, there's he's he still comes off kind of menacing and imposing uh, just, you know, physically and by appearance. Um, but there's, it, it seems like there might even be a little bit more going on upstairs. And that's not to say that the Ventrust that we know in kind of the prime timeline was, you know, an, an idiot by any stretch, you know, it was still, still a smart guy, but, um, but I, I like the differences in the character. So I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about the writing of Ventrust and, and kind of this version maybe versus the prime version. Well, I, I try to like, when I write these characters, not necessarily to do what the prime character would do. Right. Um, I, I try very much to use the, the prime character as a basis for like sort of the outline of the character, like what, what, what their values are and things like that. But how was this experience different than the experience that we had in the prime timeline? So here he's clearly in a more leadership role, you know, than he was at the same stage in the prime timeline. Uh, so that's caused him to have to approach things a little differently, right? When you, when ultimately the buck stops with you, you're responsible for all the decisions. You're more likely to be concerned with, with how you arrive at that decision than if there's somebody else who can kind of clean up your mess for you. Um, and I think that's where Ventros, uh, that's where I came from with Ventros. I wanted him to be someone who wasn't rash, who didn't, you know, he is tremendously powerful warrior and, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, use that gift uh, without making sure he needs to use it. Yeah. I, I, you know, one of the things that's really cool too, is that by appearance, of course, you, these characters look to be pretty fierce, um, you know, and, and, and aggressive. Uh, there's that look about them, but I like the fact that it's kind of, you know, it belies their, their nature, which seems to be a little bit more inquisitive, a little bit more methodical and um, not, they're not pacifists by any means, but they are certainly not the type that are going to just jump to conflict right away. That's the last resort for them. Um, and I, and I, and I like that a lot. And I, and one of the things that I enjoyed too, about the setup to kind of like basically bring them into the CWF, you know, to not just have them be like, 
show up in their spaceship and say, hey, this is what we need to do. And then, you know, figure it out for yourselves is that they see that as their way of, you know, basically dominating Pagan X and bringing him back, you know, of, of saying like, well, okay, fine. If we're not, if we're not able to convince you just by our words, then we'll get in the ring and we'll defeat him. And, we'll, you know, we'll take him that way, um, which I enjoy. And it kind of, it's, it's reminiscent of, uh, uh, and I don't know if this is intentional or not. So please feel free to say it was, but it's reminiscent of kind of the, the original ACE and how, you know, they were, they were kind of fighting for something a little bit more than, you know, than, than just title belts and stuff. Well, I think it's a little bit like I said, also think it's a little bit like the original GWF, right? That we were settling things in the ring rather than there being the galactic wars. Um, Absolutely. And and so I, I viewed it as just sort of like part of it is sometimes it's tough, right? We're we're dealing with this, you know, futuristic sci-fi world and why on earth are you when you have a problem, do you decide to do it in a wrestling ring, right? Like right, what, what, right. why 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 here? So I, I tried to just sort of give it um some justification that that makes a little sense as opposed to it just being like, I mean, the future shot guys show up in their spaceship and say, Hey, let's wrestle. So I didn't want it to be quite that, like, you know, it has to be a little different, right? Just, Oh, it's another ship. Let's wrestle. You know I mean? Like there's gotta be a story to it, why they would do it. And, and I felt that was a, uh, I thought, you know, star slayer, you know, whacking somebody with the butt of a rifle yeah. was probably is good enough for a reason for there to be a fight as any. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to, to matches with him and, and Dransack in particular after that after that exchange. Uh, you mentioned Star Slayer. One of the things that I think is interesting is that he, you know, obviously is a guy that that kind of like you know marches to the beat of his own drum. He's not necessarily going to always go with the flow. Uh, it's interesting that he, yeah, for lack of a better term, uses some pretty racially charged words against. The Ravagers, you know, calling them um, uh, lizard breath bump, bump heads. heads, you know, yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's he's he's definitely seemed like a little bit of a renegade, sure, but he's been kind of in that babyface camp, I would say, for the first two sets. These actions, to me, while not necessarily you know making him heal by any stretch, made me honestly a little bit sympathetic with the Ravagers because I kind of felt like, well. Well, that's not fair, man. You, you know, you, you're taking the low road here. It'd be different if you just like hit the guy in the head and say, hey, you're not taking my friend. But instead, now you got to kind of, you know, you're slinging a little mud, man. Like what's what's going on here? Well, I mean, I, I think that I think it's been pretty consistent with this character since Tom introduced him in Future Shock that this guy is not a uh, he's not a white meat baby face. I mean, he is just not. And he is he's going to ruffle feathers. He's going to, you know, sort of. I mean, he's not quite um, uh, Tharkis here, um, <laughs> but 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 you know, he's going to speak his mind. Sure. Um, and you know, you tried to kidnap my friend, you know, who was just in the hospital for a year, you know, like you know, and I've been like, you know, we finally got him back, and we're cool. And now you want to tell me you're just going to arrest him and put him in stasis because you said so? Like, like who do you think you are? Like, right. get out of here. So and I think that was his reaction, you know, and they went to forcibly take him. Yeah. And he decided that wasn't cool. So, I, I mean, I think it's I mean, yeah, is he a little uh, angry? Sure. But that's how his character's always been. Uh, and, and I think it was pretty consistent. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't disagree with that. I, I, I just thought it was it was an interesting you know route to to kind of take and and to kind of because like I said the, the these past couple of years while I don't feel that edge has been dulled by any means I I felt um, 
you know, sympathetic to him uh, as a character for the most part and, and kind of wanted to see him bend and break the rules. And in this case, it was just interesting because it sort of, it, it sets up the Ravagers to not be like this purely heel team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That th- that was absolutely the point. There, there's, yeah. there's a, this is a gray area, right? It seems that there's two groups of good guys who have a problem with each other. Yeah. Right? It's not, one group isn't, necessarily right and the other wrong right they, they could both be right they could both be wrong um so i, I think that that's the um that, that was one of the things i enjoyed about that story because I, I really wanted there to be confusion over well and it's cool right. too because you, of course you've got then you've got aegis you know standing kind of right in the middle of that as well um mm-hmm. which which i really enjoy because it, it sets things up where uh, you know, these, these issues run deep. It's not, it's not just two teams on opposite poles. It's not just like, you know, you got a couple of wrestlers against a couple of wrestlers. It's, you know, there's all sorts of branching out, which I enjoy. Um, I'm glad you liked it. That's, that's what I was going for. Mission accomplished. Um, Todd, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Ravagers and their, their appearance here, uh, you know, in, in Centro? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, as you mentioned, you know, who's really the good guy here? You know, so many of the different feuds are always used to, you know, good guy versus bad guy team. And there's another one that we'll get to later on, you know, other feud. It's like, well, who's who's the bad guy here? They both are between bad guy teams. So <laughs> I, I think it's kind of cool kind of playing around with, you know, those, those different feuds and, you know, bringing in the Ravagers who, um, I guess, you know, typically in the you know prime timeline, we definitely know are, well, I guess, uh, do we know they're always good guys? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so right. yeah, so it, it's always kind of a little gray with them. And yeah, I think it was kind of cool to, to, to kind of see how they were brought in here. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you mentioned about, you know, doing, you know, some singles matches with the Ravagers. It's kind of interesting. And this is, you know, one of the many ones I'm sure we'll be talking about how there's, you know, so many different pairings of like guys who could be good singles guys and could be, a good tag team. I think Rund- yeah, Rundar even for me held uh, you know a title last year for a little bit too. So like he can hold his own in a singles match. I think it's gonna be a great tag team. But I mean, there's so many other ones that, that there's you know so many possibilities that what you can do this year. I think it's it's really neat. Yeah, it's a very you know, one of the things that I think has been true since the beginning. You know, with a couple of exceptions, you know, top tier expect you know exceptions like Chaos Supreme, for instance, is that you've got a very competitive Fed. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, this isn't like a case where it's just sort of like you've got like clear delineations between like okay, these four guys are your top tier. You know, these four guys are going to be you know kind of upper mid or whatever. You know, it's like there, there's there's a pretty competitive mix of guys where you know on any given dice roll you could you could certainly get a winner out of here um you know i i i, I kind of skipped over this but i did it on purpose because i felt like the ravagers was a great place to start just because it felt like such a great payoff to some of the things that have been set up before but another really great payoff because obviously i think one of the, the most heated feuds since the beginning uh of future shock has certainly um been between adam blast and adam trader uh and i love the fact that you start things off in the ring uh, storytelling wise. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. I, I feel like you, know, you mentioned earlier, kind of like this, this sci-fi epic feel that we normally get from COTG, which I love, but it's always nice to kind of go back to the fact that this, that the core, this is a wrestling game, you know? Um, so starting things off in the ring is really cool. And, and, and I thought that, you know, that the, the writing was well done and I could really kind of see what was happening in the ring when, when Adam Trader, you know, kind of takes his fall. 
Um, where, you know, where did this come from? You know, obviously we've asked questions since that first set, like with the consequences, what could the potential consequences be for, you know, the timelines being all, you know, wonky and whatnot. Um, this certainly feels like, you know, one of those first very visible, you know, literally to the fact that we get this new card art for Adam Trader now anti-Adam, you know, what was the thought process behind this specific angle? Well, from the very beginning, you know, Tom had said, you know, hey, we had to keep the future shock people separate from their, you know, the prime timeline people, their version, their, you know, their alter versions, um, because it, it, they believed it to be dangerous. Um, and so when I did this, you know, when I did the first uh, future shock set, I said, well, there has to be a consequence, right? So, so we have to, we have to explore that, right? And uh, to me, it was it was the perfect example because I always, um, you know, while I love Tom's writing, the one thing I didn't like was that I always felt that uh, Adam Blast's story um, was incomplete. I always felt that there should have been a chance at redemption for him. And you know, this was my story. And I, but I always planned from the beginning on this being the cosmic forces. Um, they, they, they were always, that was always going to be the, the result from the first set. Um, and I just didn't want to, I didn't want to rush it and have it be in the first set or two, because I felt like it wouldn't have meant anything Yeah. But to have them feuding for a couple of years. And then, you know, for Adam Blast to show, you know, what true sacrifice and heroism is there. Right. You know, like you, you don't, you don't just do it when it's convenient. Um, you do it when it, when it needs to be done. And, you know, that's what he did here. And that, and, and I felt like, and it also, you know, sometimes it's tough to say, why would a heel now be a good guy? Like, just cause you <laughs> saved him from being punched in the face once like that, that, right, that changed right. his whole attitude. Well, in this case, he literally owes his life to him. Yeah. Right. And so those kind of things tend to have, you know, they tend to alter your perspective on, on the world. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because it's, it's one of those great, what ifs, right? I, I think that anyone who's inclined to kind of, you know, dive into any kind of science fiction whatsoever has probably posed that question, you know, what would happen if I met myself, you know, or an alternate version of myself? And I think that there's, you, you know, once you kind of get past any sort of awe or, you know, discomfort that that there would probably be this, you know, like fraternal feeling this fraternal relationship that you would almost have this this is his vibe and uh i think that that you know what adam blast does you know pays pays that off in dividends because there is you know the 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 feud has been heated and and there have been uh, you know a lot of reprehensible actions on the part of, of adam trader and a lot of words and uh and whatnot and and i think though that the way that it plays out in the booklet and, and the way that, you know, Adam Trader himself, anti-Adam even kind of explains, Hey, you know, when the chips were down, these guys that were supposed to be my teammates that I've been running with for the past few years, they weren't there. And, and this guy was, and you know, it's like what you said that, that Adam Blast makes the hard choice and, and it pays off in an interesting way. Uh, Todd, what are, you know, what are some of your thoughts here? Because obviously, you know, when we've talked about this before, I mean, these are two characters that have been around for a very, very, very long time when it comes to COTG in the Prime Universe. But of course, here, you know, in, in, in Alpha Timeline, a little bit different 
iterations and yet mm-hmm. when it comes to the you know who they are and and what they represent to the to the game line um i'd be interested to know your, your thoughts on the storyline i mean it's definitely a you know an interesting twist that i wasn't expecting i didn't know all the different parts of it you know coming yeah. coming through and you know, i didn't know that there was you know i think i had you know been hinted at before with uh you know with doomsayer being there that there will be a cosmic forces but i didn't i didn't expect that to be to be the the one there but i think it's great i think the whole justification behind it is great that you know the the two um you know the two beings you know, they've been uh you know when they're in close contact with each other they're harming each other and doomsayer then does something to to help them but they have to be together and so you know it's kind of interesting you know bringing that that whole you know the thing with the, the two alternate uh versions of matter and antimatter from the prime you know timeline and bringing that same concept to here but instead of whatever beings those were in our in our timeline you know the, the regular prime timeline that there's you know now it's the atoms here in this one i think it was a, it was a nice twist but you're kind of using the same overall um you know the i don't know what the right term is but the it, the I don't know, the story or just uh it yeah the concept the concept I mean, it, of it yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's great and you know tying it into doomsayer and stuff like that i think is great you know doomsayer this year stepping back a little bit yeah. and just kind of focusing on his guys i think was was was, was good you know kind of back to where he's he's a manager i mean he can step in every once in a while but i think really making the focus on the rest of the team and you know really strong team uh i think you know definitely uh caused uh some issues i think for uh both Mike and I and our feds that, uh, you know, are uh, tag champions uh, from the previous year uh, kind of, you know, split up into some new things, but you know, that happens every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I even tried to have a number one contenders match this to knowing, I mean, I wrote it and I knew where it was going and I'm trying to, you know, not let it happen and it still screwed me up. So anybody <laughs> else out there who's upset about losing a champion, trust me, uh, me too. Yeah. And we're going to get there because that's one of the things that's pretty incredible about this set is there are, there are, uh, you know, a lot of shakeups um, in, in this set. And I think it goes back to two, what you were saying about like, you know, the, the payoffs and a lot of stuff that kind of has been set up from the very beginning. Um, and, and, and I think you're right too, in the way that you couldn't have done it in 2116, you know, yeah. it, because it wouldn't have felt earned. Whereas by the time we get 2117, a lot of these changes feel earned. Um before before we get to that though, we'll kind of set the stage just a little bit. Um, and I don't want to say we're not going to go beat by beat in the booklet, so I'm going to skip over a few things. Um, but obviously, you know, we know that there's been um, tension, uh, you know, with Future Shock that that, that there has been tension in the group uh, from the get go. Um, obviously, because Chaos Supreme is getting so much of the spotlight, and and that's really all starting to come to a head the kind of cool thing is though is it doesn't completely come to a head there still feels like there's tension in divisions and prime colonizer certainly feels like he's at the center of a lot of that um of course the biggest element here is chaos supreme is gone take a yep. hike yep to the crossroads of the universe no i i don't know if that's where he went or not the speculation seems to be that there's a good chance that he's that he's that he's off to chronos um I don't know if you want to confirm or deny any of that. Uh, but yeah, talk about the decision to, yeah, to basically get rid of chaos. And if you want to give any hints or even say 
straight out where he might be and if he might be coming back at all. Well, I think I'd like to leave where he is and if he'll come back, you know, that's a discussion for another day. Um, I will say that in terms of my process behind why this happened, um, to me, chaos is one of the signature characters in the history of champions of the galaxy. And um, to me, he is, you know, I mean, he's just this amazing character that's, that's um, unstoppable. You know, even if you beat him, you didn't stop him. And uh, kind of like a Brock Lesnar-ish uh, character that you mm-hmm. need to leave strong even in defeat. Um, and so to me, to have him, you know, get beaten down by prime colonizer and and you know prince of the rose and darkest justice i could have gone that way i thought about going that way i was like okay i can make just make chaos this you know baby face and i said you know i just didn't want to see him get beaten down yeah you know to me it was like it'd be better for him to walk off into the sunset and still be chaos than to have him you know like look weak in any way yeah, I you know the the parallel as you were talking about getting getting beaten down that I immediately thought of was Monolith. You know, it's like Tom had to blow Monolith up basically in order mm-hmm. to you know to instigate kind of a change in his character. Um, right. It was great. I mean, I, it worked perfectly for Monolith, and it worked great in the GWF. But I think you're absolutely right in terms of you know what Chaos represents to to the Future Shock editions. Um, I, I just think that it was such an excellent choice. And I thought the scene, you know, it's, it's short, it's a short scene, um, especially in the context of the rest of the scenes in, in the book. Um, but it, it, it really is well done. Like, I'm not just saying that to like, to blow you up here. I, I mean, I, I love the fact that, you know, he, he's, I have nothing left to prove here. I, I think is just such an excellent statement. And, and it is, it's the idea that he's leaving on his own terms but he's not retiring, you know, he's not, he's not necessarily leaving in anger. He's not leaving, you know, he's just kind of saying like, I did what I came here to do. You're giving me an opportunity, whoever this person is, you know, speculation can run rampant. Uh, and we've certainly had some clues already from some other folks on the board, uh, Rob. And I think that it, it, it it's wonderful to kind of just have that opportunity be presented and, 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 and see a character, um, yeah, just move on in their own terms. The, the, the question that I'm left with, and I think the thing that'll be fascinating as promoters play out 2117, is the impact that his loss will have on, you know, title matches, rankings, et cetera. Because we're talking about a guy who, for most people, had long, I know for me, had an incredibly long run with the belt, multiple reigns in most cases. And for a lot of people, was their champion when this set dropped? <laughs> so I, I think it's it's interesting because do you think, and was this any part of your motivation, it will make that title hunt more competitive than it might have been prior because Chaos was as dominant as he was? I think that wasn't why I did it. Mm-hmm. Um I just felt it was time. Um, I felt like, you know, he is, uh, he was central to a lot of people. And, but he's also, if you look at it, even him leaving, he's kind of chaos, right? He's not like this good guy who does a goodbye to the fans or even his teammates. He's like, look, right. Yeah, sure. I'll come see you. You know, 
So it, it, I, I think he was able to uh, even even in leaving, he tells a little bit of a story about who he is. Uh, he's not a good guy. He's not necessarily a bad guy, but he's just kind of self-centered. Um, and, you know, he was ready to go. So he left. Yeah. Um, again, to your point earlier, does he come back? Maybe. <laughs> and if he does, what is that like? You know, yeah. what, you know, ha- um, so I, I think that, um, but yeah, I, it wasn't purely do that. And, and quite frankly, with some of the talent coming into this set, I mean, which, you know, some of which we've t- discussed, I mean, Ventross is obviously, um, going to be a title contender. Um, uh, but there's a couple other guys who may have something to say about that too. So I, I think that there's going to be a little bit more competition this year anyway. Yeah, I completely agree. And that brings us to the to the next, you know, kind of segment that I wanted to put the spotlight on uh, a character that uh, I was very interested in from the get go. And I knew a little bit more, I would say, than uh, everybody else, you know, the, that that saw the teasers knew, but I didn't know everything. You know, I just kind of had a hint of, of where he was going. And that's Epitome. And of course, Paragon. Um you know, I knew that Epitome was getting that second card and that it was going to be, you know, a talking card, if you will. And, and that this was kind of, you know, Paragon stick man in a lot of ways. And uh, I think that, you know, the, the segment is, is, is just plays out beautifully. It's well-written and you know, the, the entrance of Paragon feels important. It feels big. Uh, I love that, you know, Mr. Sintra once again is kind of, you know, left, the little dubstruck and, 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 and looking the fool. Um, I think epitome is a great character and I want to know more about him. And I, I, my ears are open. Tell us about epitome and what he means to you, you know, and, and, and future shock in the CWF. Well, I mean, I wanted a guy who wasn't a main eventer. I mean, you'll tell, I, as you can tell, I like guys who aren't necessarily main eventers, like Oracle, to have a, a central role in a story where they could be the main event of a story, maybe, but not necessarily in the ring. Um, and Epitome is one of those guys for me. I really wanted a guy who was, if you look at wrestling, you know, especially like when I grew up, you had managers and, 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 but not, but it wasn't always managers who were talkers. I mean, if you look to um, Rowdy Roddy Piper, right. I mean, here he was, he was the stick man for Cowboy Bob Orton, right. You know, like Cowboy Bob wasn't cutting a lot of promos when he was on <laughs> Piper's pit. Right. You know, like, and he would say something, but he wasn't, you know, it was Piper's microphone. Um, and, and I think kind of doing that and, and there's, you know, in more, I, I've said this uh, on uh, uncharted territories. You know, if you look at more modern guys, you could see um, like a Leo Rush, you know, with Bobby Lashley. You could see a Paul Heyman with Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns. You you will have these guys that come out and be like, the big man doesn't need to talk to you. Like, I got this. And I, I like that about him. I like the fact that he's got room to grow um, as a wrestler. Um, and I, fully anticipate him being kind of a a central figure you know charismatic kind of guy that the crowd will get behind yeah i i think that that's absolutely true and uh you know i again i love the fact that he's got the two cards um the prime card it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to using it um paragon i mean as far as you know having 
big men and, and, and somebody, a big name kind of come in. Uh, I know you've mentioned before you felt like Paragon never necessarily because it was kind of a crowded scene, got that, that spotlight that he deserved in, in GWF CPC. So here's an opportunity for him to really come in and make his mark. And he does right off the bat. Um, you know, Mr. Centra is one of those guys. It's no joke. He's, he's, he's a perennial kind of title contender, um, if not champion. Uh, so I think it's a great feud to set him up with right off the bat. Um, do you want to, I mean, is there anything else kind of left to say about Paragon and, 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 you know, and where he's headed and, you know, the impact that he could have? Well, I, I, I think he could, I mean, the sky's the limit for him, right? I mean, he's, he's, he is, as epitome would say, the big man, the big man of big men, right? So he is there. There's nobody in the, the Fed who he's going to be intimidated by. There's nobody he's going to, you know, run away from. So, you know, here we go. Like, let's yeah. just, sometimes you just need a guy to come in and just be a beast and. Well, and it's see cool. What it's cool too, because, you know, in, in a, in a, in a fed where we have, like I was talking about earlier with, you know, the ravagers coming in so many interconnected storylines and kind of these webs of, of tying different characters together. I feel like Paragon kind of stands outside a lot of that. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you, you know, it, same thing with Mr. Centra and, and it, it grants him a great opportunity to just focus on wrestling, you know, and, and that's not to say that he can't have super interesting storylines. I'm sure that there will be, and, you know, promoters are going to come up with a lot of cool stuff. I've already got a few ideas in mind for him too, but it's kind of nice that that's, that's the thing that's important is like, this is, this is a guy who's come here to win and come here to wrestle and, and doesn't necessarily have all these other, you know, all the soap opera drama kind of tying him down, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, I like to get things in the ring. So it's, you know, it's good to do some of the stories that happen outside of the ring that come in the ring. But as you can tell the story with him and Mr. Center is pure, it's pure history in the ring. Right. You know, Hey, little V remember me. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to, you know, I've, I've beaten you before and I'm going to beat you again. Yeah. It's a, it's old school classic, you know, setup. It's perfect. Uh, Todd, you know, I, I, I realized that I neglected to kind of uh, pivot over to you uh, on one of your favorite characters of all time. So I just want to go back real quick. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on chaos taking a hike? Uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's fine. It, it fits in there. I think it opens up. Uh, a little bit, you know, even though, you know, it just kind of makes things a little bit more competitive on top. I think he did dominate for a lot of people. And, you know, I think this gives him that new opportunity for somebody else, you know, to kind of, to take on that mantle. I mean, he, he was my champion for a good part. He did lose it towards the end of the year this year uh, to Aegis. So that didn't, you know, Aegis retained again at the, uh, at the final show. So, kind of going into the year i'm like okay don't have that's at least one champion i still have going on so that that's good uh but um i think i think it makes sense like yeah he, he really did kind of do what he needed to do there he didn't really fit in i think you know i think i kind of like it you know it was set up nicely you know earlier in the book with like uh with the prime colonizer and his team kind of showing some dissatisfaction to colby but like hey it's uh <laughs> him or us and then colby's like oh crap i gotta really deal with this now and I was like, okay, well, let's wait till after the final card or whatnot. He gets the final card, goes in there, and chaos disappears. It's like, ah, okay, don't get to deal with that now. All right, right, right let's move right. on. Good, good. I, you know, it, it, I will, I will say, and I, I'm sure that this is something again that that it'll be no comment, or we'll save it for later. But it is interesting 
that Colby has kind of a smirk on his face. And it makes me wonder how aware he was of the potential for something like this happening. Because the thing that, to me, that speaks volumes is this is not the first time that Chaos has spoken to this person. It's clear. It's clear that whoever has come to take Chaos away has communicated with him before. So it makes me wonder if Colby was aware of any of this as well. Um, Care to comment, Good question. That's a great question. Um, Well, I I will say the smirk was Todd's idea. Um, I had sent him a draft, and he said, now throw the smirk in. And, 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 and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, it kind of works there because it, you know, whenever I, I figure, you know, Magnus Colby's the kind of guy, whether he plans something or just worked out, he's happy to take credit for it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so and he goes back, Hey, got rid of him. That took care of it. <laughs> um, so we're, 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 we're obviously good. we're in the home stretch here now as, as we go through this and uh, the other big arrival, arrival, did I just say arrival? The other big yeah. arrival uh, in, in this uh, set, of course, uh, would have to be the gladiators. Um, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's an incredibly cool moment. Um, but it's something that I was made aware of quite a while ago. Uh, I think, you know, this past like February or March, Mike let me in on it and I was super excited about it. And then of course the set got delayed and I was like, well, damn, now I have to wait, now I have to wait until, you know, September to find out how this is going to go. Um, but I, I've been waiting a long time to ask you this on the podcast because, you know, again, you, you kind of let me in on the secret early on. You know, it's pretty evident in the story why they're there. But talk a little bit about the process of bringing them in and the decision to specifically make it Malice, Overkill, and Rumble. Well, I, I wanted, um, you know, I, te- I, th- I thought about, well, maybe it's Malice, Overkill, and Thunder, uh, maybe it's Malice, Overkill, Thunder, and Rumble. Maybe like I went through a few different iterations with how uh, things might line up. I, I really wanted to say, you know, again, this is an alternate timeline. And I, I, I thought, well, if I just have the same guys come out and do the same thing, well, that's not going to – I mean, yeah, you can kind of be cool and it's good for Kronos and stuff like that, but that's not really telling a new story. So. Yeah what's the story like when it wasn't thunder who became the single star of the gladiators, but it was malice. And, you know, I, I think that I like that from the beginning. I really wanted it to be malice's team. Um, and cause I always felt like, you know, he's another one of those guys where I just felt like, yes, I mean, malice and overkill were a big time tag team. And, but I always felt like he could have been a single star. Mm-hmm. in a different mm-hmm. you know, circumstance. And so to have him be the, the man, I thought was something cool. Uh, really wanted to do Overkill. Um, I just like that character. I think he's a great, um, I'll just say anchor for a tag team. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, but plus this card you'll notice is, is, does have some versatility to it. It can, it can be used as a singles card and not be, um, you know, it's not like handicapped as right. a singles card. I mean, he's clearly not malice uh, in singles, but but he can he can hold his own in singles. Um, but in tag, uh, he, he's a he's a beast, and I think that you know it, it'll be an interesting conflict with 
you know, the Minister of War's team, you know, because they're more singles wrestlers, the three of them. Right. Um, you know, whereas, you know, Malice's team is much more traditional where it's got a tag team and it's got, um, you know, a single star. So how all that interacts, do they do Aether and escape matches? How does that work? How do they do there? Um, I think it'll be, you know, it, it gives you a lot of different options, but yeah, I always planned on, um, them coming in this set that was from the beginning. Yeah. 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 It's cool. I mean, it's a great moment. I love the fact too, that again, it's set up in such a way that, you know, you've got Lance Atlas, the commissioner, you know, arguably kind of a hero, you know, it's, it's hard to separate him or make him into somebody who's like a tweener or heel or anything like that. Right. I mean, he's clearly he's a baby face and, you know, malice comes in, you know, interrupts the, the press conference. And yet you can't look at him as being like a bad guy. You know, his motivations, his justification for coming here and, and, and you know, and, and asking for Minister of War and, and you know, coming after vengeance are, are justified. And, 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 and so there's this interesting setup where it's hard to ever look at the gladiators as being baby faces. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's clear that this is not like a big bad heel team either. Well, I mean, they're not nice guys. Let's be right. frank about uh, it. These are not nice people coming knocking on your door, right? <laughs> I mean, these these are bad people with bad intentions who don't really care what you think. We're going to do what we want to do because we can. And also, this isn't the same vengeance that caused all the issues on, you know, their That's planet. That's a really there. great point. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we, we get kind of back to the argument earlier about Pagan X, right? You know, like, how do we know that, like, what's your justification for taking this guy? Like, why, why do you, you know, I mean, he didn't commit the crime that you're accusing him of because he wasn't here, right? Just because he looks the same and acts the same and basically is the same basic person. He's from a different timeline, and how can you, you know, blame him for what happened in yours? So, there, I mean, it's not, again, we get back to the it's sort of your perspective that right. matters a lot in this argument. Well, and it's, you know, it's also, I think it's easy for me because I've always looked at Minister of War slash Vengeance, you know, this version of Vengeance as being the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Like the way that I've played him in my fed is like, he is just a, a bastard wrapped in a chocolatey bastard coating, you know, sadistic <laughs> to the core, just, you know, and, and so for me, it's like, it's easy to get behind malice and just be like, yeah, it might've be the same guy, but you know what? That's all right. Take him out anyway. You know? <laughs> um, right. I mean, I, I think there's, and I think a lot of people would feel that way, but yeah. it's not like, just like, Oh, he's the good guy. And he's the bad guy. There's like a, I don't know if I really like either one of these guys, but sure. maybe I pick this one instead over that one. Right. If I have to, yeah, if I have to, if I have to pick one, I'll, I'll pick these guys. I, uh, I want to give a shout out to rumble real quick. I love the card. I think it's, it's, it's such a great setup. I think obviously he's going to shine in tag matches, the double finisher, the level two offense, you know, he's certainly a strong card. Yeah. He's got the, you know, the, the three down threes on level three defense, one of which is uncovered, but you know, he's, 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 he's I, I think that, he could end up being um, kind of a sleeper of the set in some ways. Um, thoughts on that comment? Do you think that it you know, was that intentional on your part or, you know, do you, do you agree? 
Well, you, you, you can't have a wimpy gladiator. Show up. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I mean, except for the Aetherian soldier, maybe in the other side, <laughs> <laughs> but even there, he's a guy who's not a wrestler and he's still True. decent enough to get in the ring. You know what I mean? Like, like this is a guy, you know, I, I, I had originally had him a little weaker um, than he was. And I said, he's a gladiator coming in. He's got to be strong. Um, and that tag team has to be strong. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I think that, um, you know, I, I just figured, you know, I think Tom at one point said to me, like, you know, if you're having a new gladiator, that's a big deal. Yeah. So he's got to, you know, so I, I, you know, I like him. I, I, I wanted him to be somebody who was, but at the same time, I guess somebody different, like he's obviously a little different than your typical gladiator. Um, so, you know, I like that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like just do something a little different, but yeah. uh, no, I think, you know, and it was tough. He was a tough one to really kind of conceptualize like, how am I going to have this guy look? And yeah, the art, art of that one went through so many revisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. That, that, he was probably the toughest piece of art uh, for me. Um, Interesting. And, you know, and, and part of it was, you know, I just didn't know exactly how to describe what I needed to Werner. So Werner was a real good sport about that one. Nice. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'm going to, we're going to go back just a, a teeny bit here. Uh, the reason why Lance Atlas was having this press conference to begin with, of course, had a lot to do with the fact that there are two other guys that are gone from the fed and that's Lord Nexus with a neck injury and total anarchy being, you know, banished from the fed, um, as a result of Lord Nexus winning that, um, that feud, at least in, in, in the book, of course, other promoters may have had things go down a little differently, in which case you kind of, you, you put in a really wonderful writer's note, which says, Hey, you know, if he won and just assume that he's been, you know, you know, indefinitely suspended, which I think is perfect. Um, I love these guys, you know, honestly, Lord Nexus and total anarchy were linchpins of my, of my fad, uh, mm-hmm. as was chaos Supreme. And now those three guys are gone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what the hell are you doing to me? <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at, you know, what happens in wrestling in real life, right. You'll see yeah. guys rotate out. Right. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, and, and they were at such a fever pitch. That feud was so hot to have it just end. And one of them has gone. It's kind of like, what's the other guy going to do? And how is it even going to matter now? Right. Um, so I needed there needed to be like, um, you know, like there, there needed to be like a little break, you know, like, you know, the popcorn uh, match sort of in between. Like we need to get these guys apart and the crowd needs to calm down now and move on to the next event. Because I, I think that the it was just I, I didn't see any point in having Nexus win. And then then what? Right. I mean, I mean, he's got total anarchy is reflected in his glasses on his card, right? I mean, it, it, it's, you know, the, the two of them had always been intended to be sort of, you know, tied at the hip, so to speak. And I, I felt that this was the the better way. Cause I, you know, I couldn't see total anarchy just taking the loss. Yeah. Right. You know, like, Oh, I'm cool with this. So I'll just go away. Don't worry about me. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so I felt like, you know, you know, put over Lord Nexus, but, but he pays a price for it. Yeah. Any chance that, any chance that he might come back? I don't know which guy you're asking about, but sure. <laughs> Lord Nexus. 
yeah, there's, I mean, obviously there's a chance. Okay. Um, and then of course that, that brings me, uh, to not, not, not exactly the last thing I want to cover, but, uh, you know, the, the other big thread, which of course is Oracle, um, Oracle has a lot to do, uh, in, in this booklet, uh, he's got multiple segments. Um, he's got one big segment in particular, uh, with the, the, the strange being, um, who may or may not be God's end depends on, you know, who you ask, um, can you can you kind of let us in on anything that might be going on there? Do you want to keep things kind of shrouded in mystery for now? In terms of that scene, I, I think the way it was written is exactly how I'd like to keep it shrouded. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, um, you know, I, I mean, Oracle's clearly, as you said, got a lot of balls in the air. And, you know, he's you know, a wrestler, he's, you know, a soothsayer to certain Antillian. Um, he's, um, you know, got his own team that he's leading. He's also got a whole movement of people that are following him outside the ring. So, um, you know, he's prophesizing, uh, you know, in public. So it's, it's, uh, he's definitely, a an interesting, uh, guy. And, and there's always something, He's always got something cooking. It certainly seems like we're pointing towards, uh, you know, something pretty, pretty big happening next year. Um, you know, at this point, Oracle's prophecies have been pretty spot on. There's certainly some question as to whether or not he's going to continue to have that ability after his encounter uh, with the, the shadowy figure. But uh, that said, it does seem like things are pointing towards you know, something potentially cataclysmic occurring next year. Um, I know, I know that's a stay tuned sort of thing uh, that I'm not going to get a straight answer on, but uh, I am curious as to if you see, you know, the next set as being kind of the climax uh, for now, anyway, um, uh, of this, of this series, do you, do you see not necessarily the end, you know, but, but do you see it as being kind of like the first climactic set when it comes to big things happening? Yeah, I, I think next set will be a big set. Um, yeah. I think that, um, you know, I've tried, I mean, if you look at it, it's sort of been building, right? There's, yeah. and, and we're building, you know, to a crescendo and, you know, at some point you need to, you know, pivot off that storyline and, and but you know yeah i'd say next year is probably uh, a pivotal year for the uh, cwf yeah i think it's interesting too because you know we've compared kind of real world wrestling to what happens uh, you know in the games before and, and even you know in, in this episode uh one of the things that i i really enjoy and i think it's next to impossible for current wrestling promotions to do this um is the fact that you've got these really interesting sort of real world events, if you will, happening with like the portal opening and closing, um, you know, there's tensions, you know, kind of uh, with, with certain factions, you know, obviously the ravager stuff that we mentioned earlier, and it's mirrored with the things that are happening in the ring. And it adds a great deal of texture. One of the little things that I really, really loved is the description of what's happening at the portal about how there's demonstrations. There's, you know, there's been all the, it, it's, it's a really cool little piece of texture that, I think it just enhances the overall storyline. So kudos on a little thing like that. 
Um, but, uh, I, you know, that kind of leads me to my question about the importance of the portal. And of course, the last thing that happens in the booklet, um, things seem to be closed again for a while. Uh, and we've got a, a that's mysterious a, But in some ways that's normal, right? Right. I mean, right. You know, so, so, so in and of itself, the portal closing, the fact that it was only open for a little shorter than normal was kind of weird, but Hey, it was open again. We've been waiting for it. It was supposed to open a couple of years ago and never did. So now we feel kind of better about things. So, um, so, so there is some normalcy there, but yeah, I, 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 there's been a lot going on around it. I agree. The figure that steps through, uh, mm-hmm. I have some theories. Um, one of which I'm pretty sure is completely wrong, but I'm kind oh, of, I definitely, I definitely want to hear that. I, I definitely <laughs> want to hear that one. Then. Um, but, but before, but before, before you hear it, uh, well, no, I, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it might be perfect specimen. Um, just because I feel like it would be an interesting way to bring that character back in uh, and charge him with a, a, a little bit of mystery, uh, as well as the the potential to give him, you know, an opportunity to to, to get back at some people that you know might have stolen something from him. Um, but I'm pretty sure that that's wrong. So. <laughs> my question i like i i have to talk to tom see if he's available <laughs> so 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 i i suppose my 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 question is um if you can't answer it and if you can't i understand is this someone that we have seen before or is this someone and and i when i say seen before um I, I you're, you're talking about an alternate timeline ver- version of somebody that we maybe are familiar with. Right. I don't, I'm not, I, I actually, that's not what I mean. I don't, if it's like, if, if this is an alternate version of another character, but that we've not been introduced to yet in the future shock storyline, that's not what I mean. I'm, I mean, is this literally someone that we might've seen before, whether it was in the GWF? The perfect shock, specimen. Or like, 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 like yeah, along the perfect. Exactly. 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 And you can maybe. no comment me. I understand. Maybe okay. it's kind of maybe, right. maybe not. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I, not. That, 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 I, I like some of my mysteries, um, and I like to leave. You know, you know, I have a plan for that character, but you know, maybe something else hits me in the next year too. So, I, I mean, I, that's completely understandable, and I, I, I think that you know, when it comes to the mystery, there there are certainly multiple mysteries that we're left with uh, throughout the course of the booklet, and I'm I'm stoked to see where they go i i I mean it's it's one of those it's one of those bittersweet moments when you get to the end of the book and you're just sort of like i need to know what's next and now i have to wait like a year um so uh and it's the beauty of the game in general you know i mean Mm -hmm. obviously tom's been doing it for years with the gwf so i i I love it and and i think we're you know in a way we're kind of like spoiled right now as, as as fans because we've got so many cool lines going and we've got stories whether it's chronos or future shock or you know uh um, um ftr and, and of course naturally the, the, the gwf so um right. it's 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 super cool um real quick just want to hit on a couple of other things before we get out of here and of course that is you know we didn't talk about calamity uh what a cool character <laughs> I, I love the fact that we've got you know uh cta 102 uh hitman for hire basically um cool card uh tell us a little bit about calamity um and his his function as oracle's bodyguard 
Yeah, I mean, I, I originally thought about, um, you know, gosh, I'd love to bring Kraken in. Like, that'd be really cool. Yeah. And then I thought, nah, I can't bring in Kraken. You know, uh, or really, I mean, like a couple of years ago, it was like, yeah, I can't bring in Kraken. That'd be too, uh, you know, his story's been told like to a large degree and it, it didn't really fit the kind of character I wanted, but I always loved Kraken. Um, and I said, well, it'd be kind of cool to have somebody like Kraken, um, you know, and, and sort of give people like, an idea of who he is without actually having to talk much about, um, uh, which was, was cool. Um, you know, I figured Oracle, it fit, right. You know, Oracle just lost his right hand man in total anarchy. He's got all <laughs> these crowds and mobs, you know, following him around everywhere. Well, wouldn't you get security at that point? Sure you would. So yeah, he hires some security. So, I love, I love too how it's a matter of fact. That, 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 you know, this guy doesn't necessarily require a huge introduction or a huge storyline. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's, it's basically what you just said. Naturally, he needs, he needs some help. And, oh, who, who can he call on? Well, that's cool. That makes sense. It fits with the world building that we've, you know, been given anyway. Um, but the card itself, I mean, he's, 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 he can go, <laughs> which I like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't do very good to have a hitman who can't wrestle. Right. right. You know, like it would just be like, oh, yeah, let's beat him up. You know, I mean, it'd be, you know, and, and, and I, but on the same token, you do want Oracle's team to have some people you can kind of get your pound of flesh out of. So that's sure. kind of what the partisans are nice to have. Now they're going to be a little tough in tag team action. Right. Right. But, you know, but if, you know, I don't know, let's just say Saboteur wanted to, go get somebody he could have a singles match with partide and I, I i'm pretty sure i know who's gonna win right right um no that's a good point and i you know and I, yeah we didn't get to the partisans yet but um i i think that they're, they're a great tag team i love the fact that you know we've got people now that aren't necessarily specifically a part of Oracle's team per se, but they are followers of Oracle, um, which just goes to show you all the, like you said, all the little stuff that's been building this whole time. Um, it has a parallel in the fed as well as in the real world. We know that he's got followers outside. So why wouldn't he have people that were follow, you know, followers in the ring as well? Um, the the other promoter prime card before we get to the last card that I wanted to talk about in the set, uh, of course, was the epitome talking card that we already kind of mentioned. Um, I, again, I really enjoy that card. Do you want to talk about the setup for that card at all, or or just kind of your thought process behind having you know the mouthpiece? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I know a lot of people enjoy um, the non wrestling cards. You know, they like to have something, but they don't want it to just be the same card that they got before. And I was like, well. I don't, you know, we've done, you know, some announcer cards over the years, like a Gary Michael Capetta, things like that, that sort of impact um, the start of a match. But we had never had like an actual wrestler who starts the match with the microphone. So I thought that'd be kind of cool. And we see it in modern wrestling a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we have for years. I mean, the, the road dog, you know, would, would come out, you know, doing it. Um, uh Ron Killings, you know, has, has done that, you know, is our truth. You know, he's done that for years. Yeah. So, you know, to, to have guys do it, I thought was kind of a, it was just kind of a card that hadn't been done before that would um, reflect what actually happens. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at John Cena when he was, mm -hmm. you know, 
coming up and when he got to kind of fever pitch, that's what he did, you know? So, uh, no, I, I love it. I'm, I'm excited to have it and I plan on using it liberally. So, um, really looking forward to that. Uh, what has turned into one of my favorite cards, you know, thus far as, as I've kind of just been looking at things and, and, and going through things, um, has got to be someone who doesn't, again, doesn't have a huge introduction, doesn't have that, you know, that big moment like Malice or Ventrust or, you know, some of the other guys in the set, but someone who has me as almost as intrigued as the figure who comes through the portal at the end of the book, and that is Urchin. Talk to me about this character and anything that you can kind of maybe tell us that might not necessarily be plainly written in the book as is. Well, I, I, I wanted to do a guy who went against type a little bit. Um, he's a street fighter. So you would think he's just some wild brawler, Kimbo slice type. Um, but he's not, he's more of a wrestler. And if you look at, you know, really good street fighters, you know, they, they don't just punch, Right. You know, right. So, so in this guy's case, he's an explosive athlete. You know, he could throw guys around. And so he does. And and that's his style. Um, so, um, you know, I kind of I, I just wanted to do somebody who was. Quite frankly, very different. And he had originally I had thought about making him this weaker character. And I thought, you know, let, let's have him surprise people a little bit. And. Um, you know, he was always in the set. He went through a few different, um, iterations. His artwork was probably the second most challenging, uh, in the set. I think Todd, would you agree with that based on what I was showing you iteration wise? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. The, the one that you went for first, that, that went first was just kind of old. It just looked yeah. really old. That's not who we want. You know, we want somebody who's like, you know, uh, a street fighter from the streets, I guess, was kind of right. like, you know, in the end where you want to go with. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'd say he was, he was sort of a little challenging to get to, but again, Werner, I think the final product, um, it was weird. Cause I said, Werner, I want to try something different. And I sent him a drawing and I was actually trying to tell him to, you know, do this guy in a totally different style. Instead he took sort of the style we had originally made him look younger and had this dynamic pose with him. And I went, Wow, that works. A miscommunication, and it worked. Um, so, so, so I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So, um, so no, I didn't send any Brian Danielson references or Moondog Spot references or anything like that to answer <laughs> questions. That's not how this worked. Um, and I, I, you know, it's I said this to the uh, Uncharted Territory guys. I'll say it here too. I always find it funny how people are like, "Oh, this looks exactly like so and so," and somebody else is like, "No, it looks exactly like so and so." Well, clearly he doesn't look exactly like either one of them because right, right, n- nobody would think that. But um, yeah. but no, I mean, he's. I just I wanted a guy who, again, was more about in the ring. He's just this guy. There's mystery around him. And you want to know where he comes from. You know what's his what's his deal. How did he get here? But ultimately, his story right now is just in the ring. And I think that's a good place for it to be. Yeah, I I certainly have questions as to whether or not this is somebody that we're familiar with and not necessarily familiar with in the way I was saying earlier, but familiar with as in if this is an alternate version of someone that we might know. Um, and, And I'm very interested to kind of see what's next. 
speaking of what's next, um, you know, it's too far out, I'm sure, to say much. And I know you don't want to say anything story-wise, but I am curious uh, because, you know, we got a couple of updates in this set, obviously, with Adam and anti-Adam. Um, but I am wondering, uh, you know, are we going to see updated cards perhaps for some of the guys uh, next time around? Will there will there maybe be a couple of more updates? You know, obviously, last time around, we got the evolution update, which was pretty big. Um right. You know, is that is is that just one of those things? It's it's always a possibility, um, or do you have anything in mind, maybe specifically for a couple of guys that you're thinking about, maybe wanting to bump up or change around, shake up? I, I think there may be. Um, you, you you may see an update. I think that's certainly possible. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I'm at a point where I'm ready to you know make any announcements yet. Of course, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I would think that. Uh, I like the idea. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to have like six updates, um, but I do think that you'll see a couple. That, that's, I think, pretty, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost positive I'll have at least uh, two that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head. Nice. Well, I look forward to that. I'm looking forward to actually, you know, getting getting around to being able to use the, you know, the guys in the set and start rolling out some 2117 uh, action really soon. Um, you know, it's it's always a pleasure. It's I, I always enjoy talking about the sets and 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 you know being able to kind of do a bit of a deep dive and get an idea of where things came from and, and what you know maybe some inspirations were. Um, I, I love the fact that Calamity has hair. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I, again, I've only, you know, had my eyes on it for about 48 hours, but, um, I, I really, really am enjoying it quite a bit and, and I'm looking forward, uh, to, you know, just sticking with it for a while. Um, Todd, any, any, anything that you, you want to add or any other questions that you might have? I know, obviously you had a little bit more of a, a hand in the overall process and knew what was coming before most of us. So some of these ideas you've been able to sit with for a while and some of these alternate mm-hmm. ideas that, that, that Mike might've had before they, they firmed up and, and took shape as what they are now. So I'd love to hear, uh, you know, what you might have to say about the set in general. I like it. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I, I mean, I, I really do though. I mean, this is probably my, my, you know, my fed that I, you know, most looking forward to starting, you know, back up. I've been looking forward to this for a little while. Uh, and, um, yeah, I have my first card all ready to go. Uh, I haven't rolled anything in a little while, so I'm very much looking forward to getting a chance to do that soon. Um, I guess overall in the story, I think, you know, the one thing that you maybe didn't touch upon as much is just, you know, what is the Oracle's involvement with the portal? There seems to be something where he, I mean, obviously he's prophesizing about it, but like, is he really prophesizing or is he, is he doing something else? Like what is his in with what's going on here? And why is he messing around with this? And this is something I think I'm very intrigued with. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing where this all kind of comes to a head next year with that. Cause I think we'll, we'll get a lot more information then. That's a great point. And, and I will add just briefly that it ties into the idea that there could be this potential power struggle between Oracle and Lance Atlas for the Fed itself. And the idea that maybe Oracle is exerting more control already than, than anyone else is even potentially aware of. Right. The idea that like, you know, we, we've talked about 
power dynamics before as it relates to the sets. And so, you know, could Oracle have more power than he's letting on, which is always a really, really interesting take, especially for someone who could potentially be a villain. Although I'm questioning that a little bit now, to be honest with you, after reading this latest booklet, it was very easy for me in the first couple of sets to kind of look at Oracle as being, you know, bit off as rocker and you know a, a bit of a villain but now after after some of the developments in this set i'm sort of wondering to myself like is he so are yeah. you a follower sam the movement has moved me <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh well i i think that's an excellent point and and i think that it'll be something that people are debating for, you know, the next year, uh, as we, as we wait for 2118. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to that already. And maybe we won't have to wait a whole year. I don't know. Maybe we're, I think we're, we're going to sit hopefully pretty soon and try to sketch out, uh, 2022. I think we got, you know, a couple of things that we know we were going to happen. A couple of things where we're like, oh, is it going to happen here or there? And a couple like, all right, what the heck are we going to do? You know, yeah. there's, I think there's a couple of those things we got to figure out still. Uh, obviously, right now, the focus is on everything for Q4. We have a good plan for that. Stuff's already in the works. You'll learn a little bit more about that in two weeks, uh, for sure. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to a couple of those announcements. I know that there are a couple of things that I think promoters will be very excited about. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to feeling the buzz, if you will, um, mm-hmm. whilst holding an infant in my arms um <laughs> maybe we'll see but, yeah we'll see but uh i i you know as we wrap up any any last thoughts or, or words on future shock 2117 mike well you know i i'm like i said i really did enjoy this set it was it allowed me to pay off a couple storylines it was uh, it was a lot of fun um i think anybody yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what people say as it, you know, sort of drops in their mailboxes, what, what they say, um, on the boards. Um, so, um, you know, and, you know, if maybe, you know, if people want to throw a couple of questions, maybe, uh, you know, I, we can answer them as uh, time goes on. So, yeah, well, cause I mean, I, I could, yeah, I mean, I could sit here and, and talk to you for another hour about all this and, and, uh, uh, you know, certainly would love to hear, um, thoughts uh from from our listeners and questions from our listeners and uh we can certainly revisit it because i know that we'll have the opportunity to do that in the future um and i also am interested in kind of some of the alternate takes you know some of the some of the stuff that might not have made the album if you will uh so, room so floor kind of stuff yeah 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 so one of these days we'll have to talk about some of that stuff as well um but in the meantime, I think it's, I think that bell is ringing already. I think we, we, we went home a while ago, so we're going to get out of here. Um, but make sure you grab your ticket for the, uh, holiday kickoff con virtual con, uh, which will be on October 16th and, uh, it's going to be 17th, 17th, 17th. Sunday, the Sunday, the 17th. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday. Man. I'm ashamed of myself right now. Sunday the 17th, get your ticket. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And of course, if you haven't already ordered or pre-ordered, you don't already have your sets in hand or online, do so now. Uh, You don't want to miss out on on the action, um, whether it's the Future Shock set or Indies Deathmatch or that Legend 4-pack or all of the above. And of course, make sure you get in Promoter Prime so you can get the full experience 
um, with all the additional cards uh, for for both uh, for all three sets, all three lines. Um, anything else from Fed HQ, Todd? I think that's it. I think we covered it all. Just uh, you keep an eye out, uh, you know, for if you've, if you've gotten a ticket, make sure to let us know if you want to participate in any of those tournaments. Uh, and then, you know, after the con, we'll uh, kick back into our last uh, set of teasers that'll last us up until uh, December releases. So that, that's, that's the plan at this point. Mike, anyone you want to say goodnight to? Hey, I mean, Lance, somebody get Lance Atlas some Advil. I think those headaches aren't going away anytime soon. But uh, <laughs> now I'll uh, I'll say uh, you know good night to my friends on the Baltic, and uh, you know look forward to seeing uh, seeing everybody on the seventeenth, and uh, you know we'll talk soon. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Mike. Wonderful to have you back. Wonderful to to talk to you about Future Shock. Congratulations on getting it out there. And uh, yeah, want to, of course, give a shout out to all of our fellow Phil Singer Games promoters on the boards and podcasters, uh, including the Uncharted Territory crew, uh, Grant with the Phil Singer Games fan podcast, uh, and and uh, Lee with the Dizzy Dice podcast, um, uh, and, and everyone else out there that's creating amazing content, um, however you decided to tell your story. So we will be back next week uh, and we'll certainly be, you know, previewing a little bit of the con um, and some, some other cool stuff. Uh, we might even, uh, we might even have a special guest. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the well. meantime, take care of yourselves and one another. Thank you so much for listening. Hit that download button. Uh, make sure you're subscribing or liking us or, or whatever the, the format that you're listening to us uh, allows us to, to attract more listeners and get more people interested in this game that we all love. We'll talk to you guys later.